dream is a wish your heart makes. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since fogging up CDs to make them stop skipping, now guides on your nostalgic tour of Disney history, one magical film at a time. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm at J.B. Wagner. And on today's episode, we leave today and enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy as we review the first episode of Walt Disney's Disneyland. So fasten that safety restraint and pull up on the yellow strap. It's time to open the vault. Cue that Disneyous sound effect. Okay, Eddie, if there is one episode that is wholly and entirely your brainchild, it's this episode. Because it is not a movie, not a show. It's none. It, well, I guess, actually, you know, what? it is actually a show. So break down what in the world we're doing today talking about something I didn't know existed until it was added to our list. All right, so I don't know where to begin on all of this, but it'll be uh, a bit of a of a of a history lesson, yeah. I guess you could say. Um, we we go back to you know the late forties, early fifties, and this is when television is just becoming a thing yep. in the United States, and this is hard for us to imagine nowadays, where. We're actually now beginning to leave television behind yeah. and enter into full on, you know, streaming. But in this day and age, it was a race to have content to actually fill up these um, these devices. When television first came out, there were two main um, entities that created television yes. channels. They came, They were borrowed out of radio and came over. Uh, they were what we know today as NBC and CBS. These were the two main behemoths. Um, TV channels. Yes, the behemoths. The United States in the late 40s decided that NBC was too big and was um, uh, committing kind of like antitrust monopoly um, like breaking antitrust monopoly laws. Yeah. So they decide they're going to break NBC in half and part of NBC swirls off and becomes the American broadcasting company, ABC, that we know today, right? So this is how we get the three main television channels that still exist to today just in a very different. But back then, it was only these three channels, okay? So that sets the stage. Are we ready to get to where here. Disney I'm comes in the picture? These three channels are begging anybody to create content. But all the major movie studios looks at TV as kind of dirty. Like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, like, this isn't really what we're about. We're about major Art. motion pictures, right? So they're really courting Walt Disney. They think Walt Disney's going to be the guy to create TV content. At the same time, Disney has this idea. I want to create 
an amusement enterprise where both parents and kids alike can have fun together, right? We've we've heard the the story of him sitting at the on the bench at Griffith Park and seeing his daughters on the the uh, merry-go-round and and how he kind of created this whole idea. So what he keeps saying to these companies that come to him is, "Listen, I can't get a loan to make Disneyland." Mind you, at this time, Disney Studios is not the big major Hollywood studio. Uh, it's nowhere in like the top five of the major studios at the time. So nobody wants to loan him this money. So he's saying to the TV studios, I'll do a show for you if you and one invest in this idea of Disneyland. Yeah. Two, become a co-signer in this loan so I can get even more money to build Disneyland. And three, let the show be about Disneyland, Disneyland me creating <laughs> this this new um, this new amusement enterprise. NBC, the big honcho that it is, says, no, no way are we going to do anything like that. So he goes to the second biggest, CBS, and CBS is like, no, we don't want anything to do with this. Never mind. So who's left? The third, the smallest, the newest of these new TV channels, ABC. And guess what ABC says? Sure, we're the smallest. We don't have enough content. You're Walt Disney. Sure, we'll figure this out. Um, (laughs) So they they give Disney the money. They uh, connect like one of their board members is also on the board of a bank in Texas that helps loan this money so that he can start building Disneyland. And as we're about to talk about, he creates his TV show, um, Walt Disney's Disneyland, which becomes a long-running anthology. It changes its name here and there, but in essence, this is the idea. Walt Disney presents on TV something that they're working on, whether that's one of their animated films in TV version or some type of uh, animal documentary or, you know, all of these different things. But the idea of Disney being this host, it is the second longest running TV show in American history. Wow. I had no idea. It is the second longest running primetime program on U.S. television. The only one that beats it is the Hallmark Hall of Fame. We all know about the Hallmark Presents things that they do. Um, that's the only thing that that is longer. Not America's here. Funniest Home Videos, because it's it's been going for no. 20 years. It's been going it's for a long going. time too. So this is this is this is huge, right? Like this is how we get um Disneyland. We get uh the Disney theme parks that we know and love today. Because of this TV program. And that is not uh, an over-dramatization of it whatsoever. This is how the financing to make this dream a reality comes about. ABC, for a, a long time, owns a percentage of Disneyland. Eventually, they buy that back. And a part of this deal is that ABC gets to run 
all of the food locations in Disneyland for a set period of That's time. That's a very specific so, thing <laughs> that they that they had access yes. to. Yes, yes. So for for the longest time, and it uh, took them a while. They were in charge of conce- all the concessionaries inside of of Disneyland. The fancy so word if, right there. If Eddie. you wanted to buy a hot dog or get a Coke there on Main Street, that money actually went to ABC. Uh, and not to Disney. That was all a part of how they negotiated uh, ABC, more or less being the backer on the loan for Disney to be able to to do this. So that sets the the stage of why Backstory. this program is significant. How does that change your perspective or, or think about this differently? I knew some of the basics of it. I had heard the story of how... They were intertwined, uh, ABC and Disneyland. And so I kind of knew that going into this and I was kind of prepared for, for a piece of that. It's funny to me to think of like Disney building a park and that is content like them building Everything is so under, uh, under lock and key nowadays. And the fact that they would actually tell you everything that's coming into the park. And that was like, appointment television at night i think this was on what like sunday nights or something like that and it's one of the uh, most memorable tv shows of all time and it's them just explaining what they're building not necessarily like a walkthrough like we're used to where people like videotape their experience going through this is him just like here's all the plans and here's all the things coming and i know that they did also vignettes and stories and stuff like that they in there they talk about the 30 camera crews that they have all over the world currently filming at the time um so i kind of knew that it was a very important piece uh of this uh disneyland puzzle like the show and and how they kind of intertwined uh when did the show go off the air do you remember do you remember uh any anywhere where it said it's it's a bit difficult to like piece together but initially this runs and it um, so it bounces between the other networks. So it becomes the hottest show in TV. So eventually NBC pays big bucks to be able to get this for a little while, wow. even CBS for a little while. Eventually it comes back and run. But between 1954, it runs uninterrupted until 1983. Wow. Think about that. It has a two-year hiatus and then gets going uh, again and runs regularly until 1991. And then it runs from 91 to 97 with a bit of, of, of infrequency. But it's still running today. It is, it's now called The Wonderful World of Disney. Um, but it had many different names, Walt Disney Presents, uh, Disney's Wonderful World of Color, which was the big one for for uh, quite some time. Yeah. The Wonderful World of Disney. That's kind of been the one that it held for for quite some time. Then in the 80s, it was the Disney Sunday movie, the magical world of Disney. Um, the Wonderful World of Disney came back again, um, and it is held there uh, pretty much since the early 90s. Um, but yeah, it is it is aired on all of them. It is now currently viewable on ABC and Disney Plus. 
or it's presented by Disney Plus on ABC. So it's still running today? Yeah. When? Like how? How do I like how do you watch this thing? On ABC. So there's these things called TVs and you like hook little cables like to when? them. Like is this like a Sunday evening? I yeah, I've yeah. never it's regular. You've never sat down and watched the wonderful world of Disney. I haven't seen anything of it in forever. Like I have a very foggy memory of watching any of it. But like if I was like, OK, let's schedule some time and watch this live. I wouldn't know when I wouldn't know how the wonderful world. Um, I don't know when world it's of airing Disney, today. But when is it airing? This is so fascinating. Like I want to. Yeah. Yeah. So what they. And, and, and in essence, what they do is they take their most popular things and recut them to be on for, for TV, for TV purposes. So, I mean, they've shown everything from Finding Nemo to the Avengers, the live action of Beauty and the Beast. To just greatest hits, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's also important, like, this is in many ways more than the movie. It's this show, it's this program, especially in its run in the like the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, that creates Disney as the household name that it is today. Like more than the movies, it is the fact that Walt Disney came into everybody's living room every Sunday yeah. night and talked to everybody. Um, that is where Disney gets embedded. In the American culture. Starts living rent free in our heads. Exactly. And and I would say, you know, it took it to the mass audiences more than, you know, even the movies. Because it was the movies, it would be something that you would go and do once a year, maybe. You would go and interact with Disney. Um, we didn't have any type of home video consumption at this time, right? This is weekly. This is the first time on a weekly basis. And Walt moves from studio head creative person to mythical proportions icon right now icon right uh i literally have now a lego of walt disney right like mm -hmm. he has moved to this upper upper echelons of people like you think of like you know there are these characters in american history that just rise to this legendary status and there's there's not many of them but walt disney is because he is Uncle Walt, and they begin to realize that it who he is, his persona now is the persona of the company and is the is is the you know marketable and 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 the, the trademark and, and all of those things. Um so it really captivates all of American culture and dramatically, dramatically shifts Disney's the company and the man, his impact on American culture. So what we've got here that we watched together and you can watch as well, probably put this in the show notes somewhere, probably would be good, is the first episode of yep. uh, the, la the launch. The launching episode is what we watched for this episode. Um, and it's interesting because there's a lot of cutaways and you get like moments where it goes away and we're like watching either a portion of... Um, the one of the upcoming movies coming up or they taught they we revisit uncle remus for for a little bit um sakowski like they 
it, it, it kind of like maybe and maybe this is the the version it is nowadays, but it's like full moments from some of these other um, pieces of it while also still um, showcasing the parks and showcasing the different the different elements of it. It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. What do you think, Eddie? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is interesting. He There's obviously not enough content for the show to just yeah. be about the construction of Disneyland. Um, and so I think he does something really smart here. He takes the, the overall broad concept of Disneyland, right? You've got Adventureland, Frontierland, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland. This is at the opening of, uh, of Disneyland. You have the, these four main lands. So at this episode, he kind of opens it with a bit of a, a, a an overview, talking about the studio, how, you know, you know, people aren't able really to come visit, comes up with this idea and then pretty much crafts the TV show around the structure of the park. Right. We're going to take. Uh, we're going to go visit Adventureland in these types of stories. We're going to. And so he teases the the real life adventure series. Like you said, you know, we've got 30 camera crews all around the world. But then he also teases uh, visits to Frontierland with Davy Crockett, which yep. uh, they end up. It, Davy Crockett ends up being a huge hit for Disney. Um, we're going to look at one of the TV movies next, next week. week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davy Crockett, uh, I think it's King of the Wild Frontier or one of those. Um, and then, of course, he he's going to tease a little bit of Tomorrowland. And then Fantasyland is the easy one for them because they can just say, and next week we're going to visit uh, Fantasyland and you get to see uh, Alice in Wonderland on Walt Disney Presents, you know. And, and so th- that's kind of where they... Uh, tease it out a little bit and allow them, you know, the extra content that they've already created and they're they're selling it twice. But each week, there's always this little tease of the different episodes. Um, so there's a lot of this footage that gets shown nowadays in documentaries like the Imagineering story on Disney Plus, where you've got Walt walking around a model or, you know, he's pointing at a map up on the screen or whatnot. Um, All of that footage comes from this anthology series over the decades. So pretty much any time we have stock video of Walt talking about an attraction like Pirates of the Caribbean, those are really famous where he's kind of, or he's interacting with the birds from the Tiki Room. It's from this TV show. It almost becomes sort of a documentary, especially of his final final years. It does. Um... And I had this feeling as uh, some of it was going on, it felt like the early DVD extras behind the Mm -hmm. scenes making of, you know, you you get these, especially, you know, we just looked at 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and there's this little segment in there where they take you into the soundstage and you see the actors getting their makeup on and, um, you know, they're actually filming the squid sequence and they... And they show you that, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is prominently highlighted or up the front. This is as they're about, they're working on Sleeping Beauty, which probably Mm -hmm. almost never happened where they would show you one of their films before it actually came out. That was like way ahead of its time. Yeah. And in many ways, I think this is the genius of Roy and Walt Disney, right? They 
are figuring out ways to sell the same thing twice and still and then make even double money off of that. Right. Like they're they've already created much of this content. And so they're selling it again. They're getting paid by ABC. You know, they're getting upfront. Plus, ABC is backing the loan to be able to create all of this. So that's, you know, double payment. Plus, it's free advertisement for people to go to the theaters and see 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, go see Sleeping Beauty, which ABC doesn't touch any of, uh, of that revenue. This is, this is brilliant. This is just, you know, brilliant, you know, um, business maneuvers uh, all, all around. I wonder how long it was until CBS and NBC were kicking themselves that they could have had a piece of this. I wonder, it, it had to have been uh, pretty instantaneous, right? Because it, it does become this um, toss around where everybody starts jockeying for it and, 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 and wanting it. I, I do think to the humorous part in all of this is um, you fast forward to the year 1997 and Disney purchases Cap City ABC. Right. Yeah. And now ABC is a part of uh, a part of Disney, which is. Uh, and now they're trying to get rid of it to me humorous. And now they're like, eh, I don't know if we want this anymore. Let's let's get rid of it. But it was ABC who um, who made all of this all this possible for them. A couple of things. First, what did you think at the beginning? We get some great aerial footage of both Walt Disney Studios and Burbank. In the uh, early 50s. And we get some flyovers of uh, Disneyland and Anaheim when it first opens. And you see all the orange groves still all the way around it. What was kind of your sentiments and feelings as you saw some of all of that, having been close to all of that for some time? Well, I like how he's describing Anaheim and as if no one has any idea, like nobody's ever been to Anaheim before. And so he's having like, it's all the way down here. It has to get out a map to show you exactly where it's located because literally nobody had an idea. But yeah, when they do the orange groves and you've got that aerial view of just this stark land with literally nothing around it, it's just shocking the change that it is. It's a full city booming metropolis now. Um through the LA sprawl. It's just, it's, it's crazy whenever you fly in and out of that area to just, to just John Wayne airport, especially you just see, it just goes for miles and miles. You can't see it where it stops. And to see it at that point, which is um, now 70 years ago when this thing was like released, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. That, it's crazy the changes that have happened since that point. So yeah, whenever I see the the arrow shot of the groves, it's just like wow, what 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 changes with commerce and and growth and and innovative ideas, right? I mean, Disney did something no one had really ever done before. There was only a handful of parks somewhat similar to this concept in the world. You know, there was. When he made this because uh, he was mad at that the rest of the parks kind of sucked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you had Knott's Berry Farm, which was close by, which is kind of similar. You can kind of see some similarities. Um, you have Trivoli Park in uh, Denmark, which was kind of a big standard for, for Disney. 
But outside of that, there there really weren't too many in in this in what he was creating. You know, this idea of an uh, an immersive theme park environment. Um, so it literally puts Anaheim on the map, as you said in the episode. He literally has to pull a map out and point it out. Otherwise, people didn't know know what it was, which is humorous nowadays. Disney has to do so much wrangling with the city of Anaheim to do anything. Uh, you kind of want to show them this episode and be like, you realize no one would even be able to point out Anaheim yeah. on a map if it wasn't for what Disney has done here, which is which is really interesting. I don't know that they have to do that much wrangling. I think they mostly just tell Anaheim, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to do. In the past few years, you know, they've got that whole new like Disney forward plan that's going on where they're trying to uh, essentially build a third theme park there and um, do all these other things. And yeah, they've had to, to do quite a bit of, of wrangling in the past couple of years, but yeah, it is interesting. Did you pick up on the famous Walt Disney quote that is, you know, maybe top three of all famous Disney quotes originates from, from this, this episode, from this show? Which one? Uh, when Disney, when Walt Disney stands in front of the book and he says, uh, I'm, I'm going to mess up the quote, but essentially I, uh, I hope we don't lose sight of one thing that it all began with a mouse. It all began with a mouse. Yep. Which I think is, uh, which is cool, right? That, um, again, it's kind of another, you know, dare I say, uh, historic moment in, that is encapsulated by this one episode. So uh, one of many reasons why I thought this uh, was deserving of our attention and, and taking a look at it. I doubt we're going to do a rating for this episode because it doesn't yeah, it's a little really hard. seem like it fits the rest of the, ra- the, the rating, rating, rating system. Partially because I've never, ever seen this any of this before well i mean i've i haven't seen any because i'm sure i've seen the archive you've seen clips of it yeah clips 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 of it um but that was interesting i don't that, that's not one of our rain, ratings on here but it was interesting like it's obviously well, plays a pivotal role but it's it's pivotalness if that's a real word it over it, it's more important than it is entertaining and filled with like i definitely was have this on a second screen while doing other things uh, myself. But I mean, I was thinking uh, if I were to give this a rating um, for me, it definitely does fall into more of like a like a four, like a classic. Like there is this this element where if you are I think if you're any kind of Disney nerd and just like, you know, get all crazy about all things Disney, this is definitely something worth it's what, 30 minutes uh, on YouTube, 38 minutes at most. Yeah. Um, it's definitely worth just, yeah, put it on the second screen. Like having the ability to say like, yes, I have seen some of the Disneyland uh, story um, from TV. You're, you're no self-respecting Disney nerd unless you've, uh, unless you've at least watched one episode. So we said we weren't rating this, but you went classic. I went interesting. Yeah, you dropped it all the way down to two. It's like, oh, okay. It did not hold my attention for very, for very long. Not just gonna. Maybe it's because I had too many other things I was doing, but I was like, eh. I, I, I love this. Um, 
we are going to look at uh, the one more episode of this show. Um, it's going to be here in a few weeks. We are going to um, several weeks. In 1955, when Disneyland actually opened, they did a huge uh, TV broadcast to, yeah. to, you know, the grand opening uh, of all of that. And at the time, it was the biggest watched yeah. TV event ever. Um, so here in several weeks, we will uh, revisit this show with its conclusion with the opening. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to look at a few other things that have um, significance within this line that may be a slight deviation from the Disney classics that we know and think of uh, readily. Uh, like we mentioned, we're going to watch Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. We're going to look at an episode of the original Mickey Mouse Club, another TV show that put Disney on the map. Um, we're going to look at one of those true life adventure films from um, from Adventureland that kind of really uh, started the whole animal documentary series. We're going to look at one called you the know African I, Lion. You know I love uh, animal documentary series. So. You love animal documentaries. It's like your favorite. Yep. Front of the um, line. And then we'll... And we're also going to pick up some classics like uh, Lady and the Tramp, Old Yeller, and all of that. But uh, we're definitely moving into this era where you've got the 50s and the 60s, mainly the 50s, that Disney becomes uh, part and parcel with American culture. Like, he is a quintessential uh, American man and... I'll probably mention this in a few weeks, but I saw an interesting stat from the Smithsonian. You ready for this? They say that 83% of all Americans have visited a Disney park. Wow. 83%. There are fewer things that unite all Americans <laughs> than Disney. Although I would say as of recently, it start it, the percentage might I don't know if it's going down but starting to fray a little well, bit. Well, I think but. I think modern Disney may be losing uh, sight of of who they who they truly are or, or this kind they of were born to Uncle be. Walt version. Yeah. Um, but I I I think not to 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 overstate it or put too fine a point on it. It's like it, it is from these things that you we now arrive to this moment where Disney is. Uh, yeah, I mean, you think American culture, you think baseball, apple pie, and Disney. I've ranted enough. Which is why it's a classic. Oh, goodness, Eddie. We got a lot, we got a lot of stuff to talk about heading still up here soon. Yeah. Still to go. But now that you, now that we are all filled up on nostalgia, we've got a, not a little bit of Disney news. We have a lot of Disney news. Basically, from the moment we ended recording last week and started preparing this up pre preparing the episode to be released so many things happened like back to back to back to back it's it's just truly so incredible. many things we're not even going to talk about all of them here today we're going to save a few for next week i think next week we'll we'll spend some time to speculate on maybe some of the disney video games that are coming after they announced that that big deal. But we'll just leave that for next week because we've got enough other things. 
Yep. First, you want to kick us off with this um, super duper mega sports super streamer app service thingamajigger? Thingamajigger. That's the best way to put it. It, So simultaneously, uh, so Disney finally gave us their first big definitive. This is what we're trying to do with streaming. Like we're this is we've they've been mentioning it. They were hinting about it, and they both told us, "Hey, we're going to launch a direct to consumer ESPN app. It'll be coming out uh, in 2025." And at the same time, they told all of us that they are partnering up with their enemies to launch a super streaming sports app. Uh, so they, they, along with Fox and Warner Brothers Discovery, are going to create, I don't know if they're going to create a, a custom app or just be able to let you bundle all of the sports that you can, can handle. I think they said it's like 75% of all major, of the major three, sport, major three sports they will have. Um, they've got most of most of football other than uh, I guess they've got uh, some they'll have Monday Night Football and Fox anything playing on Fox they'll have TNT uh, TBS mm-hmm. like they are going to have a lot there's already a lot of speculation a lot of NBA a lot of NBA there's a lot of speculation over um, which uh, how much it's going to cost there's numbers around. $35 to $40, which does make me more excited that the ESPN only um, app that will be 2025 might be closer to $20. I'm kind of hoping that it'll mm-hmm. come up around around that. But if we're looking at this, now we already have, we personally have Max and we have ESPN, or we don't have ESPN. So it'll be interesting to see if we we end up going this route of, of purchasing this bundle, another bundle. Uh, but I think the big thing it shows is they everybody's still trying to figure out streaming. They still don't know what they're doing. So they're kind of throwing this whole idea out. Hey, what if we all got together and did it together? Um, I, and it's like low lift. It, it's a low. They're not having to really do something super brand new, invest a ton. It's shared. Uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of parallels to how Hulu started. That's a lot of the parallels I've been hearing about. Like this is basically what the studios did when they created Hulu, Hulu. and then it morphed over time. Um, so we'll see if this ends up being something that's super valuable, if it changes anything, or if it's another thing that, oh, cable nevers. That's a new word I learned throughout this process was cable nevers. That was a uh, Murdoch said, said that he's like, there's this core 50 million users that, are cable nevers and they're never going to join cable and we're, this is going after them. So maybe he knows something that I don't, hopefully he does. He's putting his money behind all this. I mean, I've never paid for a cable package, so maybe I'm in that category. Yeah. I mean, when I first read this, that my first reaction was the Hulu comparison as well, where it was just like, um, yeah, no, I think this, this sounds just like Hulu. And it was interesting because the first time I remember hearing about Hulu was during the Super Bowl. They had a big Super Bowl ad. Where's an alien? Um, there's there alien. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Alec Baldwin, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, yeah, I thought it was interesting that the news of this was released uh, the week of the Super Bowl. Uh, it just kind of felt like there. this is Hulu for sports. And, oh, you're 
telling us about it around the same time as you told us the last time. So it'll be interesting. I wonder uh, how all of this will play out. Um, it sounds like they didn't get the big things that they were really hoping for, which is like partnerships directly with some of the leagues. Um, yeah, I think what a- Apple did with the MLS is what one of these networks was really hoping for was a kind of a direct league service type of partnership um, like that. And it doesn't sound like any of the major leagues wanted to walk away from the lucrative competition that is just thrown. Yeah. Just throwing the rights out there. They all have to fight for it. They're going to make so much more money off of that. And, and they don't really have to do too much to, to make that happen. So this was, uh, this was really interesting. Um, this was all a part of a um, bigger announcements. Disney had their quarterly earning calls where they announced a lot of different things and shared um, saying that they were doing better financially. Um, they're announcing bigger stocked dividends. Um, they're kind of padding it all out a little bit. Mainly because they're in the middle of a huge proxy fight. Um, there is uh, two uh, hedge funds that are trying to get um, their people on the board in different ways. I read an article that this is going to end up being the most expensive proxy fight in history. Uh, they're expected over $70 million to be spent on advertising directly to hmm. stockholders. What I thought was interesting, a third of Dis- roughly, these are very broad general numbers, but roughly a third of G- Disney stock is owned by these different types of like hedge stock management funds, right? Think of um, uh, uh, Peltz and, and his fund. Uh, another third is ho- owned by company faithfuls, right? Think your 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 Bob Igers, right? They and board members, they all owned quite a lot. The re- so they're kind of naturally going to shift into their their two camps, right? So who's going to decide this vote is the remaining third, which is owned by everyday people Mom, who went Bob. shucks. I want to own a share in the Walt Disney Company, and they just bought a share or two, right? Over a third, more than most companies. Most companies don't have such a high level of their stockholders that are just kind of individual out for the fun of it. So nobody knows how those people are going to vote, if they're even going to vote, because often they don't. But then there's also speculation. They have a great love for Disney. So are they going to show up and kind of help, quote unquote, restore the magic as the, the tagline for this fight has become? Um, so this earnings call was a lot, was really a part of this whole fight as Disney was like, let's just start splashing the pan and show them how, how great we really are and how wonderful we're doing all of this in hopes that people will just vote for, for Bob and his crew. Yeah. So some of the things that they, uh, released in this, uh, one of which or the most shocking one to me, at least was Moana two was not prepared for this at all because this Moana sequel actually started off, uh, it was a greenlit for a Disney Plus show. 
So this was going through production and going through or going through um, development as a show. And then I don't know how long ago, maybe we're just now hearing about it, or maybe this is a very brand new decision that they made, but they've turning it into a film. As we've talked about on this before, there's a giant, there was after all of the uh, moving movies back, there was a giant hole in November around Thanksgiving uh, for a Disney film. And they always have a Disney animated film every year around that around that point and they didn't have anything they had nothing in that time slot and now they do i am i don't know about you eddie but my first question was like this might suck like not only just like sequels in general already a very risky area especially for a movie that um is so good it's one of the best animated films they've ever come out with and the fact they're going to do a sequel but they're also going to a like convert a show into this i have so many so much uh trepidation around this the 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 expectations are sky high and this can go badly very quickly it might have already gone badly as far as we know well i think uh one have we heard anything uh in regards to whether or not lin-manuel miranda is he's not he's not attached to it He's not attached to it. As far as I know, he like I heard was hearing them talk about it. And that is a that's the third. Like I'm already like low, 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 low expectations on this. Yeah, I um uh, yeah, yeah. Uh that was kind of my thing where I'm going, they're not if he was attached, that would be plastered on the front of this, right? Like mm-hmm. uh and the fact that they left it out is just eerie to me. Um, also, I mean, the things and the rumors that were spinning around Wish and how they threw that together and really rushed it towards the end makes me really nervous about just the overall quality about this. Um, do we know if Ron and John are coming back to direct this? I'm, and that's what so I'm trying to, I'm know. trying to look, I'm trying to look up what's happening right here. And all of the ones that I'm watching, uh, that I'm reading are all, uh, not putting the the thing I want to know right up at the front. Barlow and Bear. Does that sound like a like a, a music group no. or something? I don't know. I have I no idea. Happening. I don't know who these guys are. They won a Grammy Award for Best Musical Theater Album for the unofficial Bridgerton musical. What what is happening here, guys? Just be better wow. at your websites. This is weird. Anyway, so yeah, yeah I've got I mean, I've got a the lot only of tr- person. Yeah. Okay, yes. So the film was written, yeah, so it's written and directed by David Derrick Jr. This is his feature de- uh, directorial debut. Eddie, uh-uh. everything, everything is saying this is going to suck. Um, You have the two main uh, voice characters. They are coming back. They're going to uh, um, reprise their roles, so you get to hear their, their rock again. Um, yes, so... Oh, wow. Yeah, Lin-Manuel Miranda has nothing to do with all of this. I have zero expectations for this. Yeah, I don't. so sad. No, no, no. It is. It's really sad because there are certain movies that just are so tight and so just like perfect. That ending of Moana, you're just like, I'm good. I, I want whatever happens next to be left to the imagination, to the to the great beyond and unknown and so 
no, we have to milk this for money, uh, which is sad. Um, and uh, this also means what? For the next three years, we're going to get sequels because we've got yep. now Moana 2, then Frozen 3, and then they've already said there's a fo- Frozen 4 right after that. Toy so, Story 5. Um, Toy Story 5, uh, Inside Out 2. So we're just going to be in sequel land for for. Uh, several years here as as they try to write the ship with sequels yeah and it's funny because a part of what uh got the ship out of whack in the first place was too many sequels and remakes (laughs) and not enough original content so let's double down on it i got it great yeah i just uh this doesn't this doesn't make sense yeah and just i i don't like the idea of when when you decide you're going to make a sequel and none of the creative team from the original one is involved. All I can think of is direct to video home release. Ooh, you know, it's gross. Peter Pan 2, Cinderella 2, 3, and 4, all of those films that were popular in the early 2000s where you're just like, no, there's no way this can be good. If no one from the original creative team is involved, it's, come on, there's something wrong here. Well, speaking of there's something wrong, the final piece of Disney news that dropped, that was the first thing that dropped was Gina Carano, who famously was fired from the set of, um, was fired from The Mandalorian after season one. Um, She is now finally taking to court, taking Disney to court, and she has a very famous backer that's helping her with all her legal fees, our buddy, Twitter, X owner, not X owner, but owner of X. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk famously, uh, back in November, end of November, I want to say it was, put out there that if anyone, uh, if, if anyone was unlawfully terminated from their job based off of something that they said on the X platform, he would help cover their legal fees. Um, and so this was kind of big where it was like, okay, is anybody going to take him up on it? And uh looks like Gina Carano is, is doing that. And I mean, hers was one of the bigger, um, was one of the bigger cases. I think the only one that you could say was bigger was Roseanne Barr and the cancellation of, of uh, Roseanne. Yeah. Both of which are Disney, right? So if uh, if Roseanne decides decides to sue, uh, it would be hilarious. Um, as Disney is now st- uh, staring down both of those. Um, this is significant because I think nobody ever wanted to take on Disney because uh, they're they're essentially a law firm, right? Who also makes some movies on the side. Um, and well, in the past few years. They've lost quite a few significant uh, uh, legal battles and you get the world's richest man to back you and, you know, maybe help you pick your legal team. It's more of a fair fight. It's more of a fair fight. Um, So I think this will be really interesting, um, especially for her. Like her whole story was just ridiculous. Um, What they felt was um, egregious uh, speech on on her Twitter post where it's just like really like come on that's a stretch like Roseanne Barr's you can look at that and go yeah she shouldn't have said that I, I don't know if you should have you know canceled everything based off of that but like yes yeah, that 
what she said that. Yeah. But the Gina Carano story always felt so odd to me. So I think this will be really interesting. Um, as Elon Musk has said multiple times, it is his goal to eradicate uh, the woke mind virus. That is his way of articulating that. <laughs> and this is his next step towards that. <laughs> and this is his next step. And he doesn't care. We all remember what he told Bob Iger back in October. Um, mm-hmm. uh, words that I cannot repeat. Here on this, on this family-friendly uh, podcast. On this family-friendly podcast. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be a long legal battle, right? You know, these things take forever to play out, but it'll be. But what's funny, I don't know if you saw um, in her lawsuit is to give her a um, a roll back in the Star Wars. Like they it's not just like payment compensation. No, they actually have to put her on screen. Yeah, that's never um, because happen. she was supposed she was supposed to be in multiple seasons of The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and uh, she was supposed to be in the the spinoff show uh, Rangers of the New Republic, um, which they canceled when they uh, fired her. So she's going for it, not just um, monetary compensation, but she wants an actual role in uh, Star Wars uh, film. You mean the film that she made for um, uh, Daily, Daily Wire, Wire isn't like replacing all of, all of, all of the things that isn't doing what was everything that called for her? Uh, it's a western something on the prairie yeah, yeah yeah death on the prairie who knows so doesn't seem like that's going far enough but maybe not but yeah there it is we've given you all the news for now that's a lot we'll um. We'll we'll talk about it a little bit more, and I'm sure more will come up um, by by the time we record next week. So, uh, JB, I hope you and the family have a good week. So do I. Nothing too crazy going on? Nope. Just we. Uh, I think they're definitely. My kids are definitely tired of uh, football and pizza, mostly pizza. Uh, we had a friend tired of pizza. We so we plan to do um, our normal Papa John's on Super Bowl, Super Bowl night to kind of just watch 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 watch, watch some football. You know, you gotta watch them have some pizza with it. We had a birthday party the day before, and uh, we showed up to the birthday party, and they had pizza there. And I asked my wife, "Hey, should we like cancel the pizza order?" She's like, "No, no, no, just go for it. Let's just." do it so pizza and wings friday pizza and wings last night and then uh today uh we had so much leftover pizza and <laughs> we're all about hey if we can my wife's really great at like hey if we can make the 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 food stretch a little bit longer and save us some save us some money hashtag inflation um let's do it and so tonight we had our we finished off all the pizza so it's all gone now and I'm just wondering if my wife will ever have pizza again this year or if any of the kids will ever want to have pizza again this year. But they didn't make any complaints about it. But it was just a do funny. you do you get tired of pizza? Not really. I don't. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'll have it tomorrow. I don't think I'm going to be getting pizza tomorrow, but that could change any moment. Burgers are what I really can never get enough of. Like I could literally have a burger yeah. every single day. Um, pizza at some point you're like little little feeling it just starting to feel it all just sticking with me but 
yeah, so they were. It's, it's funny that you say that. Um, Friday night, we did our monthly family pizza night. We have, we're, you know, gluten dairy free. So we're weird over here. Um, it's not even we, pizza. It, it is. It's good. It's, I, I mean, so here's what we do. It's not pizza unless there's real cheese. Like, uh, I'm going to draw the line there. So I'm like, Sarah, I love you, but we're going to make your pizza off to the side with your vegan soy cheese that doesn't really melt. And so it's like, what is this chemical makeup? Um, but we have to make our own crust and all of that here. You can't really buy a gluten-free uh, pizza crust without, you know, mortgaging one of the kids to be able to afford yeah. it. So uh, we only do it once a month. But yeah, we had that um, Friday night. We did our our pizza and family movie night. Pizza all around, both families. All it's it's just in the I area. Love it. Well, with that, you have got your weekly dose of Disney nostalgia. Be sure to subscribe to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. And also give us a look on YouTube. While you're there, please leave a five-star review and like on whatever platform you're listening to. And you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and just hit that share button. Share it with your best friend or your best enemy you know keep your friends close and your enemies closer with your podcasts yeah everybody's sharing the highlight of last week's uh episode eddie gets attacked <laughs> by a killer bug you can also check us out at honeywemade.com where you can see all of our nostalgic reviews of disney movies tune in next week as we review davy crockett king of the wild frontier Thank you for listening, and remember, this is a place of hopes and dreams, facts and fancy all in one.